Hello and welcome to another Zoom roundtable for BrotherlyGame.com. I'm joined by three guests tonight. I'm going to go around and have them introduce themselves. We'll start with our special guest here. He's a room, uh, born and raised uh, Claymont, Delaware. Played uh, collegiate soccer at Providence College at the Big East Conference. Went on to, uh, to play professionally for a couple of years. Got drafted by San Jose Earthquakes. Bounced around USL. Started NASL with the Cosmos, um, Harrisburg City Islanders, Pittsburgh Riverhounds. And also have a handful of caps uh, for the Barbados national team as well. And then, you know, currently residing in Pittsburgh still. I'm not saying that I'm retired, but, you know, I still definitely uh, still like to stay active as much as possible. And just in case I ever do get to call again, I'm ready. But definitely residing in Pittsburgh now and um, join the coaching life and, you know, full-time job and things like that, but staying close to the game. So I definitely appreciate you guys having me on. And since we last spoke of podcasters, I've been listening to your podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, keeping it real with Kiesel. Um, yeah, it's something that I just kind of started for myself. Apparently, I've gotten some good reviews back so far, so I definitely appreciate uh, everyone that's been listening so far. But yeah, uh, available on all social media platforms, also podcast platforms. I'm just making it work day by day. So, Thanks for joining us. Um, Eric, you want to introduce yourself? Yes, uh, thanks for having me as well, Matt. Appreciate it. Just a sports writer for the last uh, 20 plus years. I've covered the union since their inaugural season and just about every year. Covered international soccer. Um, uh, from U.S. Uh, national team, covered the women uh, a few times, uh, and just uh, an avid soccer fan. And coach as well. Uh, okay, yes. Uh, travel coach, my uh, daughter's uh, uh, storm team uh, here in our local town. All right, thanks for being here, Eric. And uh, Carl? Yeah, hi. Uh, thanks for having me, Matt. I'm Carl Goldish. I've sh been shooting pictures for the Brotherly game. This is my first uh, season, so <laughs> got my first game the other night. But I've been taking photos for for a really long time, way back in the film days. And I got back into it when my kids started getting into youth sports. And, you know, really, that's kind of where I built my portfolio from there. And, and you know, been, been, been lucky enough to meet some people and get into shooting, getting to shoot some some pro sports as well. So, Well, Carl, we'll stay with you to start out. So, yeah, you got your season credential that – you haven't been able to use. Uh, yeah. What was it like to, to be down in Chester and to, to get to experience soccer again, you know, shooting a, in a little different vantage point uh, than, than, than you're used to? I mean, well, there was no traffic getting to the stadium, so and you could just roll up and park in the VIP lot instead of the, the C lot. But you just walked in, they actually scanned you, took your temperature before you got through the gate. And then they just asked, they had, I think, three or four sections on each side on the bench side. So, you know, three or four sections on Sons of Ben and then, then, then on the, the other side where we normally attack uh, to in the first half. And they just asked you to be uh, six feet apart and you had to be up in the stands. You couldn't be up against the boards like you normally are. And it was weird. I, there was definitely, there were a couple of people actually there. I don't know how they got in or what, but there were definitely, you couldn't see them on TV. But there were definitely a couple very small groups of like four or five people up up in the stands, and then you could see some of the Sons of Ben guys were they had their tifo up and outside in the back watching on Wi-Fi. But but it was weird. It was quiet. It was very quiet. <laughs> yeah, I think Eric, you wrote you know in your story, it's it's really quiet, like like really quiet. Uh, what was the experience like? You you know, I I posted on Twitter. You know, you've covered you know countless games. Uh, at all different levels of sports, uh, soccer, and everything else in between. What was it like to be there covering a Philadelphia Union MLS game, an official regular season game, yeah, it, and there's nobody n nobody in the stands except for, you know, scattered people around? 
Sure. Just to echo what Carl said, it, it really just was surreal. I mean, I couldn't even put my finger on, I probably have covered over a thousand different live sporting events in my life. You know, I've covered little league, <laughs> nine-year-old and 10-year-old uh, baseball, softball games up into professional uh, games at every level. And it was probably the most quiet live sporting event at any level I've ever covered. It was just bizarre. Closest thing I can really tie it to, it felt like I was at a high school game. You know, if you ever go to a, especially a soccer game, you know, you just hear the ball being booted, you know, by uh, players, you hear them talking and that's about it. You might hear a coach yell or scream. Uh, you hear maybe a cat call from a parent, you know, and that was kind of like, you know, like what Carl was saying there, there were a couple people in the stand. I think I read somewhere that uh, some frontline workers were, were given tickets. It was maybe 20 some, 30 some, I forget what the exact number was. But yeah, it was just real bizarre. Uh, but to be honest, like, you know, between the lines, it, there wasn't a difference. Um, you know, if you kind of like remove the 18,000 empty seats uh, around you, it was just another soccer game. You know, uh, the players played it as they would as if there was uh, 18,000 people there. So uh, that was at least comforting that, you know, once the whistle blew and the guys were playing, it was, it was normal. But everything else, you know, just like you said, just so quiet. And that, that's just the only thing that will always stick with me. You know, you didn't hear the... Sons of Ben chanting. You didn't hear any chanting, any crowd. You know, Jim Curtin didn't get booed for a change. Uh, you know, it was it was definitely bizarre. One uh, one kind of experience that uh, I'll never forget. And Kiesel, you know, you weren't at the stadium. I wasn't there either. Uh, I've been there for for some Union Two games, but you know, for you, kind of seeing soccer come back and seeing MLS, you know, having the tournament successfully down in down in down in Florida. What have you made of, of, of soccer coming back and, and you know, what, what the union has been able to accomplish since they, you know, came out of that, that, that first long break and then a little bit of a shorter break before coming back uh, in New England? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. It was definitely a little, a little bit disappointing that we got to the semifinal and then, you know, didn't get to the next round. Um, but, you know, I think the union are in a good spot. They've always had a good team. Um, always had quality players and I definitely think they get better. I love the fact that soccer is back. I do love the fact that sports are back. Um, I think it's, you know, it gives us a little bit something to watch on TV, except for the Michael Jordan documentary. Um, <laughs> Cause outside of that, it wasn't too much else to watch. I'm always, I think the biggest thing for me as a union fan, I'm always wishing for them to get to the CONCACAF Champions League. Like that's been like my, like one goal that I would love to see them get to that level um, and play against some of the top teams in North America would be great. Um, but I think one day it'll come, but we're not, I love, I love that they're back and, um, and they're performing well. I think, I think the guys on the team are great, especially at the, I feel like it's a new mixture of guys than what we typically have seen over the last couple of years in terms of the diversity and the different style of players that we have. And I think it's kind of make, it's going to make a big difference uh, as we continue to move forward. You know, Andre Blake is someone, you know, you, you know, uh, you're very familiar with, you know, what did you make of his performance down in Florida? I mean, yeah, I mean, he was um, phenomenal. I mean, you want to talk about solid goalkeeping. I mean, I even played against him in college. <laughs> just like, you know, this guy is just athletic for no reason. You know, I remember our scouting report was like, we can't put anything like anywhere close to the six-yard box. He's going to come up and get it. And that's been his kind of MO um, ever since. And his athletic ability on top of his game management, you know, that's why he's the number one. It's been the number one ever since he's pretty much been there. So, I mean, I can't see him, you know, getting any worse, but I definitely can see him getting a lot better. And definitely he's one of the top goalkeepers from the CONCACAF region. I mean, only unfortunate thing is you have Kaylor Navas playing at PSG. Outside of that, I think he might be the number one 
in uh, in North America. But yeah, I mean, great guy. We've actually, it's funny, we actually um, spoke words a few times. I was coming back from some tournament. I think, I don't know, some, I was playing for Barbados and I was in Miami getting to my next flight. And then it was funny, I'm like, I'm messing with my phone, like catching up on all the text measures that I can't get because people don't have iPhones. And then he was like, excuse me, sir, can I have your autograph? And I look up, I'm like, What's up, bro? But uh, um, he's a great guy, uh, great guy, great personality. He's a great family man. So he's, um, I think he's going to do very well, continue to get better um, as his career goes on. And Eric, you know, what did you what did you make of the team down in uh, down in Florida, and then kind of coming into these 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 first two games back? I think it's just their defense. I'm um, just seeing a pretty consistent and steady, excellent defensive effort. You know each game, um, you know, and it starts, you know, with Andre in the back and, you know, uh, uh, Jim uh, Curtin was talking after the game of how impressed he is with his center backs and all the options he has there, but you just keep building it back from the back out. I mean, you know, they don't win on Tuesday night without Casper making that goal line, you know, kind of save there on the, uh, the corner kick. So, uh, you know, just the, the team wide aspect of, of their emphasis on defense uh, has just, I think just been in really impressive. And I think that's, why they've been mostly as, as successful uh, as they've been uh, down in Florida and have continued it, you know, through these first two games. And Carl, seeing them in person, uh, did, did you notice anything different than, you know, on TV? And do you, do you see things differently when you're seeing them through, 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 through the lens? Well, yeah, watch. I mean, you're a little more focused and you can't see the whole – it's hard to see the whole game when you're taking pictures. But I think – what I, I think Ray Gaddis has just been really good. I think he's been really solid in the bat on the on you know in, in D and he's pushing up the line. I just think he's just reliable, very reliable. Even in the tournament, he looked good to me. And definitely their their center back pairing, even though Elliot didn't start and they put Lenisis in there, they were still I thought they were very solid. Yeah, you got that shot of Ray Gaddis, uh, you know, with yeah. getting the cross off. Uh, yeah, I, um, it was awesome because his eyes were, I mean, it was, I was like, whoa, when I looked at it, I was like, wow, this is good. <laughs> yeah, that was one of my favorites that you got. The other one was the, 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 uh, when, when uh, Jamiro got the yellow card and the, oh, dog, yeah. the dog the dog cutouts were behind him. <laughs> Did you ever think you'd be shooting a soccer game and you'd have cutouts of adoptable dogs in the backdrop of your photos? No, no, no. I, I kind of I wish we could have gotten closer to that to take some. I think you could have got some really cool pictures of those those cutouts. But yeah, I, I was that was pretty funny. I, when I took that and I looked at you know because I, I can get the pictures off my camera to my phone and I was trying to get them to you as I, you know, it's it's a lot going on. But when I saw that, I was like, oh, this is pretty funny because you could see the dogs weren't like blown out. Oh, yeah, that was, that was really great. To see. I mean, the, the, the cardboard cutouts, like, that's something that people have been doing. But I don't – I haven't heard – maybe it's been done somewhere else, but I haven't heard of, you know, hey, adopt a dog that's being represented by a cardboard cutout in the stands from tonight's game. So I think that was a really cool idea and a little – I mean, we definitely got some traction on the story about that and people were yeah. – seeing that photo and but on a more serious note now you know as the game as the game ended you know Mark McKenzie you guys didn't weren't watching on tv so you didn't hear uh hear him but you know he uh, he you know in his post-game interview because he had such a great game he was the person they chose you know for the PHL 17 broadcast he took he took time in that and that little bit of time he had talking to the media to talk about uh Jacob Blake and and, and the shooting in Kenosha Wisconsin and then he later elaborated on that, you know, what, uh, you know, what, you know, you know, how he was re responding to this and, you know, mentioned again, Brianna Taylor and, you know, kind of bringing up, you know, something that 
when 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 the George Floyd killing happened in Minneapolis, there was of course no soccer, and you know, and, and there was a big response from the team in in Florida when they did finally get to play, wearing the names of, of victims of police brutality on the backs of their jerseys. And you know, the the feature of that I thought was really neat was that the the white players chose player uh, names of people that they didn't know about previously. So, you know, Key. So I'm curious from you. You know, you know, Mark McKenzie, someone from your home state of Delaware. Um, you know, and just seeing sort of the way he's, you know, as a young man, is speaking out about about this, about these issues, and what you just make of the the example he's setting on the field and off the field. Yeah, I think you know, obviously, we're going through a very interesting time in our country. Um, I think it's a situation where, you know, if you have that platform to bring knowledge and education to people, I think definitely use it. Um, and I think you know, his comments were important. You know, I think that you know, obviously you can't put enough or not enough attention on it just because it was something where, you know, you have a guy, regardless of, you know, the situation and I've read multiple comments and, you know, people comment on the video and things like that um, of, you know, whether he was like resisting arrest or not. But at the end of the day, I've seen so many other videos of people, the same situation of not complying with, you know, what the officer is saying and, you know, getting seven shots in the back was never a result. You know, and especially, from you know, I don't know if it was both police officers or just one of them, but, you know, I, I just, you know, I just, for me, because I, I, told, I told my mom this probably a couple of months ago when things were really starting to go off in terms of the riots, I was just like, this is probably the most unsafe that I felt um, in my life, just being able to walk down the street. I mean, you know, for me during quarantine, I would go for runs every day. And then the one guy got killed um, just going to run in the neighborhood, you know, and my mom's obviously, you know, she's a concerned parent and things like that. And. You know, I always joke, I ain't nobody gonna mess with me, they know better. But you know what I'm saying? It's um um it's um it's it's tough because you know, everyday activities you think that you're in a society where you're safe and um you know, sometimes something where it could be absolutely nothing turns into something that's something like that, where from what I understand, you know, he was breaking up a fight to begin with, you know, and you know, then the police were called and he's the one getting questioned about it or getting, you know, the incident. So it's um it's tough. And like, even for me, like, I mean, not that I, you know, joke around, but you know, you know, my girlfriend says like, Oh, like we should do something. I'm like, Oh, I ain't doing nothing. I'm not calling out a person. You know, you can call them if you want to, but I'm gonna go home. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just like, at this point in time, I just don't want to be like, I don't want, I don't, I, just for me in general, like, I don't, I don't even want to put myself in a situation where I'm getting questioned for something that I have no involvement in, you know, it's just because of everything that's going on. And um, I just, you know, rather put myself in a safe environment, but it's, it's, it's those comments, you know, they ring loud because even, you know, not to take away, but like, you know, even for me, I've had a, a situation where I had a run with the police uh, when I was in college and there was something where, you know, I was 20, 21 years old and like, I didn't even understand what was going on, you know, and it was just, um, whether stereotyping or whatever, but, you know, I got pulled over for nothing. Um, and the police officer did some things that coming to find out were illegal. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't have known that back then, you know, so it's just all those different things where things are coming to light um, and, you know, comments like that and actions of the different leagues around the U.S., whether at WNBA, MLS, NBA, whatever, um, coming together and not playing kind of sends a message. And I think, you know, the message was heard. Um, but, you know, I, I just hope the change happens from it more than anything. Eric, you know, game. you know, I think it's 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 not a new thing to hear Mark McKenzie speaking about these issues. Um, you know, for you, when you, you see, you know, you see that, you see him kind of come off a, a game like that, that he's, that he's talking about, uh, kind of consistently talking about these issues. What's, what's kind of your response to that? 
Yeah, and like you said, I, I was unaware that he made the comments uh, during a telecast. Uh, my spot in the press box, I was actually looking right at a television camera, but the sound was off. So, you know, I saw that he was being interviewed, but I obviously didn't know what he was uh, talking about. Um, when he came on uh, during a Zoom uh, press conference, um, it really kind of floored me. You know, I, I wasn't expecting him to say that. I don't know if any of us were. Um, you know, there were questions about, you know, the atmosphere there at the game with it being, you know, no fans. Uh, it was the first time the team had played at home since uh, the playoff win last October, which was, you know, the place was just, you know, rocking and it was just bananas. Um, and when he came out, uh, it was, he, he took like, you know, four or five questions. He answered every question that was asked. And then when the uh, moderator or, you know, the person handling the press conference said, is there any more questions? And no one had any. That's when he's like, well, before I go, you know, I'd like to say this. We, uh, we're going through another situation now with Jacob Blake. And, and, and him being shot seven times in the back, you know, it's, it's uncalled for. Um, and ultimately, we, we want, we, we're demanding justice for, for what's been done, you know, for him to, to again, be shot seven times in the back and, and in front of his children, you know, his three sons in the back seat. What, what, what does that do for them now? You know, the traumatic experience, you know, at such a young age, um, to see that happen to your father. Um, and again, we just go back to that. This is a reality as being black in America. And even with all the quote unquote progress we, we tried to make, uh, we, we take another 10 steps back. So, again, we, we're still waiting on justice for Breonna Taylor's, um, and we're, we're demanding justice for Jacob Blake's, uh, you know, shooter. So uh, it's uh, definitely a, a crazy time, and, and you know, we're, we're blessed to have football in our lives. But, again, being black in America is coming to the forefront yet again and, and what it's like. So, um, again, demanding justice for, for what's been done, you know, not only to Jacob Blake, but, but many others. You know, the one thing he brought to light that, you know, not as many people are, you know, everyone's focusing on uh, Jacob is, you know, his kids. Kids are in the car and, uh, you know, the, the mental toll that that's going to take on them for the rest of their life, no matter what happens. Uh, you know, I'm a father of two young uh, children. And, you know, when he says that, I put myself in that position, like if it was me and, and my kids seeing that. So uh, that really just hit home. And, you know, I, you know, I, I was trying to type uh, the quotes, you know, during the whole press conference and I just stopped. I'm glad I, I I didn't need those quotes for the actual story I was writing. Uh, I just was listening because I was just so awestruck by uh, and, and kind of floored that, you know, he came out and said that, you know, but I'm glad he did. You know, uh, I'm glad, you know, that athletes are taking this kind of platform, uh, you know, to take their, their stance. And Carl, you know, you mentioned Ray Gaddis. You know, you've been impressed with the way he's played. He's he's certainly one who has been one of the leaders in this in this clubhouse. And, um, you know, what, what have you made, a, you know, your father as well when you see, um, you know, you see these young guys, you know, basically set an example that they're setting, you know, using their platform to talk about issues that are important. It gives me hope. I mean, what he said, I mean, it, like, it definitely hits home. I, and I didn't read the quote before, you know, you know, you had sent it over and, uh, you know, referencing the, those, that's something those kids will never forget. And that's not something you want to put in a kid's it's not something you want in any kid's memory, right? Um, for someone to get shot in the back seven times for just walking back to his car, it's, that's, I don't know, it's, it's, I'm speechless. It's, it's just, I don't get it. You know, there's, there's other ways I would think that those guys, the, the police could, could, uh, could remedy the situation without resulting, you know, pulling out their guns and, and shooting them. A lot has happened since since Tuesday night, since you guys left uh, Chester, uh, Carl and Eric. You know, there was a, I think, it, I guess it started with the Milwaukee Bucks with the, you know, basically uh, they came out and said they're not going to play. 
because of what's going on in their in their home state with uh, you know Jacob Blake the shooting, but then also the the subsequent shooting of the protesters by this uh, seventeen or accused uh, shooter, the seventeen year old who you know had an AR fifteen and was firing that in the uh, in the in the crowd. Um, there's still a little unclear about a lot of the details around that, but um, you know, Kiesel, when you see the Milwaukee Bucks, and then you saw sort of the, you know, the other teams kind of follow suit. What was your, what was your response as someone, you know, who's been in, you know, been in teams and, you know, you've had, uh, you know, you know what it's like to kind of get yourself hyped for and prepare for the game. And, you know, you're, you're a leader on the field. And so you're, you're, you're used to that experience. What, what did you make of that? I mean, like I said, I think I get the biggest thing is like kudos to the players uh, for coming together and making that decision. Um, I know I'm sure it wasn't a, an easy one, but I've seen from like, you know, Twitter and stuff like that and that they're serious about this change. You know, like they're not just uh, like, hey, like we're going to wear the shirts and stuff like that and tweet about it, but they're going to make a, a change about it. And I took it as the way I, the way honestly I saw it. You ever like, you know, um, say somebody like gets in your face. Right. And then like you throw like that flinch, that flinch, like I'm not don't mess with me. Like that was like I think that was the flinch from the players in terms of like, listen, like we're not messing around. Like, you know, the fact that they came together and decided not to play those games was just a small little message, I feel like, to a lot of people that, like, listen, we're using our platform to the biggest stage that we can, and we're going to let everyone know that we're not messing around. And if things aren't going to change, don't expect there to be a season, right, or the the season to be finished. And I think that not just sends a message just to, obviously, the fans out there, but it sends a message to the league, it sends a message to the owners, it sends a message to the sponsors that, like, hey, if there's not going to be change in one way, shape, or form, like, it's going to hit you where it hurts, and it's going to be with with your wallet, right? And you have to realize, right, these guys are millionaires, right? They have plenty of money in the bank. I'm sure they could probably go a couple years without playing, and they'll still be fine, right? So I think at the end of the day, they're not too worried about it, but they know that in terms of, like, the sponsorships and the owners, they can't afford that hit. Right. And they're saying, like, listen, if you're not going to be on board with what's going on and you're not going to make a statement and you're not going to make a change or get on board to make a change, um, we're going to make sure that there's not going to be a season to play. Like, just think if this COVID wasn't happening and this happened during like an actual season, like the entire league just stopped, it would be even worse because obviously, you know, playoffs are, you know, one thing. But if the whole season itself was just stopped by the players and there's literally nothing anyone can do about it, how much money are people losing? a game played and losing money as we hurt more than anything else right when it hurts you in your wallet right so i think one of the biggest things that they're doing is letting people know that like listen we are not messing around with this if there's not going to be change we're not going to play and i give them credit for it eric you know rsl's owner uh, had a had an interesting response to his players uh what'd you make of that and you know do you think there's going to be games this weekend i mean i think uh forward madison already canceled their game uh in usl league one uh for for sunday obviously they're a team that you know, it's even closer to home for them being in Wisconsin. Sure. The, the comments uh, were shocking, but, you know, these days when you hear things from people uh, in those positions, it's not as shocking anymore. I think, you know, uh, a lot of these people are out of touch. Tone deaf uh, to the comments. And it's, I sometimes find it bizarre, uh, people in those kind of positions. I mean, if you think that way, you know, shut your mouth. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's like Keith was saying, it comes down to the bottom dollar. These, these guys are going to care. Uh, I'm cynical. I mean, they're going to care more about their bottom line than uh, almost anything else. So it, it was just shocking that he even, you know, was able to come out and say that, that, that he didn't think first, like, well, you know, if I come out and say this, what's going to be the backlash? Um, you know, even just from a selfish standpoint. Um, but, you know, just the boring comments. Um, and, you know, he's, he's going to pay figuratively and literally for them. You know, there, there's no doubt uh, moving forward. 
as for you know what's going to happen this weekend, from what I've listened to from different sports, uh, you know, commentators on radio, on national radio shows, and following things on Twitter, I think everyone's following the NBA league. Uh, the NBA kind of took the, the first step with this, um, and how many days, and what the players are saying, and uh, it's almost like it, I think that the other leagues are going. If, if the NBA doesn't play for three or four days, the other leagues are probably not going to play for three or four days. I, I just feel they would, they would think that they're not, they're coming up short in, in their reaction if they don't at least match uh, the NBA. The MLS specific aspect of this might be the, the, the pressure, um, you know, in terms of, you know, Don Garber has come out and said that, you know, that they're going to, you know, you know, there's going to be an investigation into some other things that have surfaced for this owner um, in terms of some of his previous comments. So, uh, I mean, I think you could probably see some pressure, MLS-specific pressure coming if, because in a single-entity league, <laughs> I, I mean, the actions of right. every player, in, you know, in the league uh, impact impact the whole thing. Right. Well, I mean, I, I wasn't aware that, you know, he's made other comments and there's been other issues that the league's going to investigate. And, and again, you know, just my my journalist, you know, antenna goes up when you say that. And, and to me, if, I'm sure they knew of this beforehand. Once you just assume, and, and why does it take something like this, you know, where they actually come out and actually, you know, open an investigation? Why even let it get to this point? You would think, you know, they would have taken measures or something in, in, in the past leading up to this. Carl, you know, there's another game on Saturday that's scheduled, at least. We're, we're going to assume for right now that that's going to happen. What do you see coming from that with D.C. United coming to town? Um, I'm... I think I don't know. I the, the last game, the last Union game I actually was at was last year when they played DC United, and I don't, I don't know. I think that I think the Union should be able to take them. I mean, with Rooney gone, and I just don't think they're as strong a side this year. I'm calling two nothing. Eric and Kiesel, you guys want to give your prediction? Uh, sure. I mean, I I, I do see a, another Union win. Um, you know, playing at home again. I, they really do take it seriously. You know. Uh, creating what they call the fortress. It's not just something they said this year or last year. It's been, you know, different players, different years saying the same thing every year. And they, they really come in to protect their own turf. So I think they bring that with them. Uh, the key is that they can finish. I mean, they, they should have won Tuesday four to one. I mean, it, or, I'm sorry, uh, four nothing. You know, they, they should have had a lot more goals. Uh, I don't know if it's just, you know, getting back into rhythm, uh, game rhythm, you know, since the restart, you know, or, or what. But if, if they can just really connect and even half or a quarter more of those golden opportunities, it, it should be a, a pretty decent win for them. To, also, when you counter in with the, the kind of defensive. So I can possibly see, you know, a 3-1, you know, 2 nothing type of win. Yeah, I um, I'm gonna say Union win for sure, but I have to say, my uh, my old teammate, my old Providence teammate, Julian Gressel, is gonna get either her sister a goal. So three one, three one to the Union. That's what I'm saying for sure. Great. Well, thanks guys for joining me again, and uh, this has been a roundtable for BrotherlyGame.com. Uh, we'll we'll do this again sometime. Awesome. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me.